0: This is Terrence F. Clark, and I'm here with David on Musicians on the Record.
1: Hit it. Hi, welcome to Musicians on the Record. I'm David Ward. This is the show where we're bringing you the musician's story, and I'm really excited today. This guy is a real drummer, real musician. Terrence Clark is on the show today. Welcome, Terrence. Thank you for having me, David. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for making the time to be here i'm i'm really excited for you and actually i will say a little bit jealous because you are drumming uh for robert cray right now in the robert cray band tell me a little bit about how long you've been playing with robert and how when did you get the gig how'd you get the gig right on um
0: well yes i i am very uh excited and fortunate to be on the road with robert cray he's uh, a legend and he's an amazing guy um so I've been on the road with him for about a year and a half now. Probably a little over a year and a half. Uh I started with him uh what is it? January of two thousand seventeen. I got the call. And then I started on the road with him, I think that following March. So uh got the call January 9th, which is my birthday. He didn't know that. So yes, yeah, yeah. So he he called and um it was a huge surprise. And, um, but the way I got the, the, the initial opportunity was my mentor, Steve Jordan was cut. They were cutting the newer record, uh, Robert Cray and high rhythm. They were cutting that record in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from Steve and he was like, Hey man, where you, where are you? are? You know, where are you and what are you doing? And I was kind of catching up with him. And he was like, you want to play with Robert Cray? And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like that's the story. And so he was like, all right, cool. So I'll get them your info and blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right. And that's just really how it happened. And that was December of 2016. Wow. And um then I just kinda waited around and, and uh got a call from Robert January ninth. And he called and just super like amazing guy just called, you know, just sweet. And he just he just said, you know, I would be honored to have you on the bandstand with us. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I would be, you know, it was crazy. And, uh, and so it just started from there and they, they sent me a box of CDs, all of his CDs. And, uh, I put them all in the playlist on all my iTunes and things like that. And basically had to learn 50 tunes off the master list. And we didn't rehearse, showed up at the first show. And uh we had a longer sound check than usual uh allotted for, you know, for us to kind of work some stuff out. We went down Yeah. That was the rehearsal. That was the rehearsal, right. (laughs) And and it was just I mean this this was like purely off of like him not really playing with me before, just going off the word of Steve and it has a certain weight with it, you know. And so we showed up and I think we went down maybe 14 tunes and everybody was like, All right. That's this is gonna be good and the rest is history. That's incredible.
1: That's yeah incredible. And so Steve had, had recorded the album yes. with him and was not able to go on tour? Yeah, I think he I
0: think that was he was either going yeah, he was out with going out with uh John Mayer. Okay. He was out with John Mayer last year. Yeah, got it. Yeah. And uh and I, I think, you know, Steve and Robert are very close. They're good friends and Steve has worked with him and produced some stuff with him in the past. Okay. And, um, I think it was just Steve suggesting like, Hey man, I want, I want to get you a guy that I think could, could, you know, yeah. whatever, you know? Right. So, um, I, I was just extremely humbled by that. I mean, yeah. um, Steve is a, is a huge influence of mine yeah. across the board and, um, not just in his drumming, but how he handles business and Mm -hmm. how he diversifies his different circles of work with different artists that has always been very like, uh, inspiring, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, so to, to get, get that call and to work with Robert and be free to, to be me has been amazing
1: it's been amazing. That's incredible. It's a, a great uh, nice to be that first choice after Steve Jordan, right? That's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and obviously, I mean that clearly wasn't your first rodeo so to speak as far right. as like you didn't just pick up the sticks 2 weeks before. No. Clearly uh, have some chops to to get into that band. Can we talk a little bit about your story and oh, when right on. When did music and the love of drums begin for you?
0: Uh, It began very early on before I even knew I existed, right? So I come from a musical family. My grandfather was a quartet singer, and he sang with all kinds of people. He was amazing. He was also a guitar player in his earlier days. And then my dad, uh, he's the youngest of five, and he's an organ player, piano player. And So I grew up in my grandfather's church playing drums. But the story that I remember hearing is that when my mom was was pregnant with me, my dad used to play rudiments on her stomach. So I kind of, I didn't really have a choice. You know, uh, I think my dad was trying to put together a band. He was just all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and so that's kind of how it started for me. And um, I got my first drum set at two and other at instruments. Two. Yeah, at two. Um, And my first pro kit was a Slingling uh, Concert Tom kit. It was a White Marine Pearl. I still have it today. It was was my granddad's kit. Amazing. uh, Yeah, and that's kind of how I started. And my dad really did an amazing job bringing me up on so much music, like all, like everything you could possibly think of. Uh, And so it just got me used to what it meant to be a musician drummer. Mm. more so than a drummer drummer yes you know what i mean yes uh, and that really growing up in and around my peers everybody's playing and doing a lot of chops and i had my, my moments where i was like really into dave welcome really into dennis chambers and a lot of you know amazing drummers but then it got it, it slowed down for me around like age 18 19 20 where i started studying like steve gad and Steve Jordan and Carlos uh, Vega and uh, Al Jackson Jr. and Howard Grimes, like the guys that made songs, that played songs for singer-songwriters. Um, and so that really intrigued me, or it, it, it really drew me to that style of musicianship. And uh, so it just kind of practiced that craft and practiced my sound and developing a sound, something that was unique. You know, because drums are drums, right? Like, there's so many people out here playing drums and, you know, it is what it is. But it's a very special, it's a special thing once you find your sound. And Steve, Steve mentioned this one time in a workshop that I, I, I watched him teach. And he told the drummers where he was like, look, anybody sitting behind, you should be able to sit behind any drum and be able to get your sound, period. And... That was such a powerful statement because you see him sit behind any kid and it's going to sound like Steve Jordan. You see Steve Gadd sit behind a kid, it's going to sound like Steve Gadd. Same with Vinny. Any of these amazing drummers, when they sit behind a kid, no matter what the kid is, what drum heads, all that stuff is trivial. They sound like themselves, you know. So uh, I really stood on that kind of foundation and then um, had some amazing mentors in Memphis uh uh nico louris kevin page of course my dad mark clark my grandfather uh david porter the producer songwriter he he wrote for stacks without uh, no isaac hayes and learned a lot from those guys um in a young age they really like they were hard on me in a good way you know (laughs) and um and so that was a fantastic upbringing that was school if
1: you will yeah And these were also drum teachers, Terrence, or were that mentoring life lessons? Kind of a mixture of both. I think
0: all of them drew me in to teach me about life and storytelling. And they weren't all drummers. Some of them were multi-instrumentalists, producers, writers, artists. Uh, but they were all people who taught me the importance of song. and how to add to a song rhythmically and tonally from the, the, the standpoint of drumming, you know, and, uh, they gave me the opportunities to record for the first time in studios and understand, you know, how to touch a drum, how to play a cymbal, you know, in comparison to like playing a live gig.
1: So, I mean, clearly you, you had the support of like a musical family, uh, growing up, obviously. And some of my research, uh, Uh, just reading about you playing on Beale Street.
0: Yeah, well, Beale Street in Memphis is a very eclectic, historical place. Um, It's it's not what it used to be, unfortunately, but when I was coming up, uh, I mean, you could hear all kinds of blues up and down the street, but the real stuff was on the actual street, not in the clubs. There were these alleys and, like, you know, guys could set up on the street and just play. And you heard some gritty, cool, like real stuff, you know, on the street. And I had the opportunity to walk down. I, I mean, I wasn't supposed to be on Bill Street because I was too young. There was an age limit, right? How and, old um, were you? I started playing on Bill at like maybe like 18 wow. <laughs> or 17, probably se- actually 17, 16, 17. And it, I remember the first time I went down, I was so so afraid because there's so many people down there, and all these security people and and cops checking your your license or your ID. And it got to the point where I was I was coming so regularly to play gigs where they knew who I was. You know, it's like, oh, that's Terrence, he's good. You know, <laughs> and and that that was cool. Um, but you learn so much on that street. You learn you learn one of the biggest things I learned uh, on Bill Street was the importance of why people go to any club the purpose of going to a club people want to dance and if you're doing anything that takes away from the groove from people dancing you're not doing your job so i always paid attention to like where the tempo was on a certain groove or song i'm like okay and more people coming out on the dance floor it's like okay this is that that's the right space where they feel good to dance and i need to make a a note of that you know um and that was also something I learned. I learned how to play with a band. I learned how to play and listen to players other than just focus on what I'm supposed to do. Mm. You know, yep. not just being in my head and like, okay, I gotta make sure this beat and it's tempo is this because the reality is, um, tempo the human nature of of rhythm, it moves, it fluctuates, it slows down, it rises, a heartbeat, that's the, that's the, the beat, that's it, that's it. And so music, when you're playing with a live band, it's going to feel like that. So not to get so caught up, you want to have great timing, have good time, but like, you don't want to get so caught up on like, if it speeds up a little bit or if it pulls back a little bit that you're like, you, you get out of it, you know, the energy is in the song, in, in, in the moment, and I learned that down on Beale. I learned the authenticity of the grittiness of like American music, blues, classic rock, you know, soul. Memphis is the home of a lot of those things. And a lot of people forget that, you know, that's right. That's where it is, you know. That's
1: right. Sun Records, right. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Where it began. (laughs) Exactly. And I take pride in that naturally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you bet. You should. So, um, So, yeah, Memphis is. It's always been the greatest teacher for me.
1: That's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. So what was the dream that was developing for you, whether it was 18 or 19 or even earlier, of what you wanted to do with music?
0: Man. So I've actually been thinking about that lately, and I've actually been sharing that very thought with some of my peers who have been trying to figure out what they want to do and how to go about it. I didn't have a plan. I think the the only thing that I knew to do, and what my father taught me to do, is just stay focused and consistent. Because a lot of people, when they don't see it working out or happening as fast as they would like, they jump ship. And sometimes it's just about being consistent. There are a lot of people who are really great that gave up, and there are a lot of people who are okay. And I might be one of those people, but they stayed consistent and they kept going and you know, they, they got opportunities because they just stayed in it. Um, uh, I do, I did eventually want to specifically want, I wanted to be part of the root of American music. I wanted to be part of, and and want to play with artists that were rooted in American music, meaning like jazz, soul, uh, rhythm and blues, blues, uh, folk americana the things that we forget being american that like started here because everywhere else in the world they're trying to do that but it didn't come from them and so and that will always stand the test of time no matter what kind of pop style is happening right now or what kind of hip-hop style is happening right now at the root of everything the most timeless thing is always going to be the root of american music across the globe um and so I, I want to be specific in who I align myself with and who I uh, play with and learn with and and learn from. Mm-hmm. And so these opportunities like to play with Robert Cray and Robin Ford and different people like that, to me, these are, I'm still in like undergrad, I'm still in college and learning from these guys real time. Uh, right. And so I can be a person that could take that legacy and that, those lessons and that th- yeah the legacy of that to the next generation because i think a lot of that is getting lost a lot of people are abandoning the root of the music you know and understand and, and a lot of people don't know who where it comes from and why it's important to know that right nothing's new right. nothing's right. new right even the exactly nothing about it is new but until you I feel like you can't really create and be consistent in creating anything that's relevant until you understand the root of where everything comes
1: from. One of the things I ask, you know, in the show from artists is some sort of business advice or music advice for other musicians. Like you said, those, those questions in a general sense, what kind of questions should musicians be asking themselves when, Offered a gig or looking at whether that's going to work for them or not.
0: Uh, one of the things I start out with is first, thank you for considering me. I'm, I'm that's you should always be grateful because you don't have to get calls. You know, <laughs> that's the first. That's right. Thing. That's right. Uh, but the second thing is then just inquiring about what they need from me, what would they want. Get them to spell it out as clear as they possibly can, where there's no guesswork from me. Uh, and if they don't know, then like, Hey, you guys figure out what exactly you might need from me and then get back to me. And that way I could, pro- I feel like I could probably properly give either the rate or whatever is necessary that they need, because sometimes they'll give you a number and they say, Hey, we got this opportunity with this rate da and some parts don't align, you know? And a lot of it is negotiation. Nothing is ever written in stone. And sometimes you just have to say, hey, look, you know, I totally want to do this. And I think this would be fun, but I can't do it for that rate. My rate for this situation is normally blah, blah, blah. And you'd be surprised just communicating and standing up for yourself. And I wouldn't say standing up like bullying. That's not bullying. But just speaking up for yourself. People are like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah, we could do that. Because let's be real, it's business. people right. are not gonna offer you a bunch of money right off the bat if you don't sure they just you don't no one's gonna do that you that's know right. if i buy if I buy a vintage kit or something I like, I'm like, hey man what's the what's the least I could get it for, bro right. that's you know right. that's let's right. be honest yeah, so, and that's just that's not a disrespect, that's just part of the game, part of the matrix of doing business right. and so that's a question I ask, and then. You know, I like to know if, if they need rehearsals or if they, how soon, because my biggest thing is get me the music as soon as possible. So how soon can you get me a Dropbox filled with the, the song list or the set list or whatever, um, or the demos for the session? And if they don't, most of the times, you know, let's say in a session situation, they might not send a demo because they want to go in and just see what I'll do just off the bat. But each, like a live situation tour, versus the studio, I, I approach them very differently. Um, and I approach, you know, more major artists and indie artists very differently as well, because you can't just, you have to show that you care and you know where, what level each person is. is. So a lot of those questions just for me just come from learning and experiencing moments where I was maybe taken advantage of and I, or I wish I had done this and that and the other and making a note, a mental note saying next
1: time. You know, right. yeah, it was learning lessons along the way, right? Right, right, so, so important, yeah, yeah. Can we also talk a little bit about the power of networking in the music business? Because you know, you, you talked even just a great example, just getting a call from Steve Jordan. Obviously, that wasn't the first time you met him or heard of him, so right, right, networking in the music business for you,
0: man. Okay, so this is a big thing, this is a big thing. I have a a lot of friends who have always, some have kind of criticized me, and some have been like, "Man, I just don't understand." And and I and I share this. So the criticizing has come from like, "Man, you do all this posting and you share this, and you know, da 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 da." I just don't do that, man. I just can't. I just don't do that. And then some people are like, "Man, I don't know how to do that because it comes off. I, I don't want to come off as pretentious and it's all about me." And it's my answer to all that is that there's a balance. So my balance is. Understanding that, for me, I don't network for the for it with the motive of, of trying to gain opportunity. I don't network because I'm like, oh, this person could give me this opportunity, or this person knows this person, da 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 I network because I actually sincerely want to get to know people. I recently said this uh, to some some uh, some other people. It's just kind of just what I say. It's like I network. That you should network sincerely for the purpose of getting to know a person, not what they can do for you, because that lasts much longer than the opportunity. And so that's how I've always tried to be. I, I don't always gel with everybody. So like, just because a person can give me an opportunity doesn't mean necessarily that I want it, because I, I you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, sure, sure. So I think it's just important to just be yourself and be honest. Don't be showy. I I met Steve maybe five plus years, five years before that opportunity happened. And it happened in a very organic way. It happened. He was in Memphis again at Royal and he was cutting. uh, He had just finished Skaggs' record that he cut there and Ronnie Baker Baker Brooks record. And I was introduced. I was brought to the studio by David. David Porter and David Porter introduced him or introduced me to him. And then he, uh, we went into the drum room, just he and I, just this very special moment. And everybody who had met him up until this point in Memphis, everybody's posted pictures. I met Steve Jordan. Da, 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 da. And when I met him, I mean, it was, it couldn't been, it couldn't have been more perfect. We literally were in the studio alone. And he got on the drum set. He's like, man, check out these drums. He started playing this groove. And I'm standing there just watching him. And I'm like, man, this this is insane. You know, he's just sitting there in this groove and he gets up. He's like, hey, man, come play this kid. It sounds great. I was like, okay. And immediately I just sat out and I didn't try to reinvent the wheel. I just played the groove he played. And he's walking, he's pacing. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so he he got a conga. He sat out. He started playing conga while I'm playing the groove. And I'm sitting here. I wasn't pulling out my phone and like, hey, guys, you got to, oh, my God, you got to see this. I was just like, this is for me. Yeah. You know, this is for me. I'm not going to, this is, this is a real moment. Right. And we did that. And shortly after that, we went into the control room because they were finishing mixing this record. And he was like, you know what? It's just that quick. This is the first day I met Stevie. He's like, you, you know, Boz is looking for a drummer. You, you want to play? Let me call Boz, and he calls Boz <laughs> right there. Man. he's like Boz, and he left he, Boz didn't answer, but he left a message. He's like Boz, I don't know if you're still looking for a drummer, but I got one right here in Memphis, man. Give me a call. Let me know. And, it, and I'm sitting here like, <laughs> this is how that works. Right. This is that's how it that's yes. how it happens. That's right. It's the sincerity of knowing that. And I don't know what he sensed from me, but I, I know what I've sensed from people in a si- similar situation where you just, you just see the heart of a person and s- the sincerity of a person. And they're there because they want to be there because they want to know you. Right. I didn't ask him for that. And and that opportunity didn't, didn't happen. I think at that point, J.J. Johnson had the gig at the point. He had just got J.J. Johnson. Yeah. But it was just like, how, you know? And and over the years, I would see him, and we would hang out, whether it was in Nashville or, you know, Memphis, and he would check on me or whatnot. And and I think it was just the, the, the situation of like, you know, now I have this opportunity. Let me call Terrence. And it was just, it was honest. It was sincere. And when I called him to thank him about it, he was just so like, oh yeah, man, no problem. All right, so to the next thing, and we just start talking about something else. That's awesome. You know, so those are the kind of opportunities I've had with people. Um, and sometimes you have you have relationships where nothing happens, and that should be okay. Right. right. It's not about the opportunity; it's about again just knowing people, right? Yeah, you know? building those relationships. Yeah. Yes, the world is much smaller than you know, and your name can spread very fast in negative ways if you if you're not careful so absolutely
1: powerful powerful story i love that that's great yeah (laughs) and it sounds like i mean he he saw your heart just because the power of music the power of drumming playing yeah right yeah man
0: yeah it's it's insane i have so many steve stories
1: it's great (laughs) (laughs) it's great 'cause i I know you're on tour with Robert Cray right now, you also talked about later in the year in Europe playing with Robin Ford, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that and and that performance and what's similar what's different than oh
0: man so i love I love talking about these two for- for sure they are they know each other they play with each other and 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 things like that, and they both respect each other. It's amazing so Robert to me, as I play with him more. To me Robert is like a soul singer that plays blues guitar. You get what I'm saying? Like he we don't play shuffles all night. We're not playing blues shuffles. It's like groove. Yeah. And but his sensibility is blues guitar. And it's fantastic. And it's about it just it's it's a song based kind of structured thing. With Robin, I played with him a few weeks ago and Robin is like this jazz musician that plays blues man you know what i mean i mean his songs you have different time signatures you have you know the structure of the song there might not be an eight bar it might it might be something very different in the way it changes up through the form of the song and he does, he's his soloing style it doesn't he doesn't run out he doesn't repeat anything yeah. ever amazing ever and then he wants to hear from you so he wants you to solo or he wants to hear the bass and so you're doing and it's stuff that you like for me i hadn't done in a while like i had soloed in a while and so to solo because this guy's playing with everybody he's played with vinny they have a band together he's playing with everybody and so to sit here and say like oh you want me to solo bro like
1: <laughs>
0: and and so anyway those opportunities are fun um and it, it stretches you in different ways, um, and so, so I give you this situation. So this is one of those kind of like, like, the stars align. So I I'm going to Europe with Robert in October, and my buddy who actually plays for Robin Ford, uh, he can't do the whole run over in Europe because he's coming back home to Nashville to uh support his wife who's running for congress and all this kind of stuff so anyway long story short it worked out to where at the end of robert's run i literally pick up with robert over there so it just it just worked out perfectly and those things i've seen other artists and other musicians who that it worked for and i'm like man how did they get to do that they just <laughs> you know and, and it's it's fun when it can work out like that yeah, you know no doubt. and so so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, to be able to be on that side and playing with two amazing artists. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to be supported by my, my companies, uh, Gretsch and Istanbul and Vic Firth. Like, they're taking such good care of me, you know. And, and it helps when you have something to offer. Like, people want free stuff. And I say this all the time. Like, look, you got to have something to bring to the table. You know, you can't just want to play their gear and get something for free or discounted. Like, what do you bring? It's a relationship, you know. So, Absolutely. so I, I'm very excited. Gretchen's is providing things over there, and, and I I tend to always fly with my my symbols if it's a fly day. But um, but I'm excited. I'm excited about that run, and it's going to be the first time that I've ever been on the road for a stretch of two months straight. huh. okay it's going to be intense. Yes. Like without coming home. Like I've right. never done that. So yeah. so that's going to be interesting uh because when we come back from Italy with Robin I jump right back on with Robert for the last run of the year. Right. Right. You know, yeah. through December 15th. So it's just I'm super grateful David, man. This is yeah, I'm excited.
1: <laughs> I'm really happy for you. It's just fantastic. Where do you want your music to go from here? You, you've had a lot of success so far. Any thoughts or visions or intentions of where you want it to go?
0: I want, I would hope that anything I'm a part of would just, the goal for me is that it would stand the test of time. That's the only thing that matters to me. I just want it to stand the test of time and be timeless. That's what I've always hope for and uh, really strive to, to create in anything that I've created and touched is that it stands the test of time that, you know, it becomes something that is relevant throughout the years, you know, something that I could go back to when I'm older and be like, man, I needed to hear that. That's a, that's, that's cool. You know, um, that that's, that's really it, that that it would stand the test of time and, and that all the artists that I've ever played with and will ever play with will be um, inspired by me being there and also know that they are inspiring me, you know, and, and that I'm grateful to be part of their story. And uh, that's the big picture to me, you know, so.
1: Yeah, very cool. Love it. Yeah. pretty cool, and then lastly, for musicians who you know we talked a little bit about some of that advice or some of the inspiration for musicians who would like to get to where you are or maybe struggling in the music business, what advice would you give them
0: So everyone's story is different, everyone comes from from different things, everyone is influenced by different things. I would just say the biggest thing is being honest with yourself you know uh there are a lot of musicians out here that that play music but they don't study music and there are a lot of musicians out here that study music and play music do it. like i just think that you have to be honest with yourself to know if this is really if you really have what it takes to do it because if not you're really going to waste a lot of time and you're going to get you're going to going to get upset and create tension within yourself. So the sooner you commit to your truth about that, the better. Um, definitely expound on different styles. Be able to play and, and morph into different things. You know, play with as many different artists and musicians as you possibly can. Um, and learn how to how to adjust your style to fit those styles. Um, don't be a one-trick pony, you know. Uh, elevate with the times, at least know how to do things, you know, in the digital world. Like for me, I'm a drummer and I've always been, you know, taking pride of being like an organic drummer, but like I have an SPDS pad, I know how to run triggers and you know, I know how to expound on sound. And that's fun too. So, so expound on the different things that it takes to be a musician of the today as much as you can. Um, and find time to live real life and not be so fixated on the grind uh, and the hustle of trying to make, make it or find an opportunity the only way you really get an opportunity and keep an opportunity is to be grounded and you have to be grounded in something that's very far removed
1: from uh, this thing we call music. Right. Got to have more of that holistic, uh, full, full life in addition yeah. to music, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to care about people and care about things that have happened, that are happening in the world. And, and, Because I think that informs the experience that you bring to what you play on a song uh, and whatever that story is talking about. You want to be able to connect to that topic. And if you hadn't really thought about it or experienced it or even been exposed to it, it's hard
1: to really connect to the story. You know, so, yeah absolutely it's great stuff this has been a real pleasure for me terrence i really appreciate you being on the show and i'm so excited for you you are living the dream sir terrence clark thanks so much for being on musicians on the record thank you so much david i appreciate it